Got your Bibles ready? Quick word. Let's share. Amen. 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 Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And then I wanted to share something with you. Hallelujah. So are you ready? 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Now I'm just going to stop there. In the latter times, the last days. So I just want to explain something to you that many of the Bible writers, when they talked about the last days or the last of the last days or the latter days, were not talking about our times and beyond now. They were talking towards the end of their age. And the end of their age was the end of the law Moses era and was the beginning of the Jesus era. Is that okay? Which was a new heaven and a new earth, a new world. Plenty of scriptures to show you that. And so they were, they were looking because the Spirit in them was already speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 would totally signal the end of the Jewish style of religion. Because their temple would be destroyed, their city would be destroyed, and their religion would be completely annihilated. Because the temple would no longer exist. Jesus prophesied it in Luke 21, Matthew 24, and he said, this city. And in fact, he was referring to the temple when the disciples were saying how awesome it was. He said, there shall not be one stone on top of another. But yet another building was going to be built with the foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, and stones would be put on top of stones, and it would be the new temple in Christ Jesus. Woo! Now that's a good place to go. Wow, wow, amen. So living stones would be the temple, and so he says it in Ephesians, he says it in 1 Peter 2. We see the completed picture in the book of Revelations 21, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city. And so we are now that temple. Is that okay? So when Paul was talking about in the latter times, he was talking about from his time onwards towards when A.D. 70 would fall. Now, that was the ending of the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus as the Son of Man. But it was the beginning of His appearing and coming as the Lord of glory. It was the beginning of Him setting up His eternal kingdom. So from the time of the ministry of Jesus, His death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, there was a 40-year period, basically, which in Bible terminology or typology or symbolism is a generation. And it was 40 years. So God, after Jesus, his preaching in Jerusalem, extended time for the Jews by 40 years. And that period was called the patience of Christ. Everybody with me? So he was being patient. And that's what Peter was referring to in 2 Peter, that God is patient, not willing that any man perish but that every man come to repentance. And it's true of us and our world, but it was more specifically true of that time because of the impending destruction that was coming. So Paul says, in those latter days, the Spirit is telling me that there is going to be something that is happening. And he says that some shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Is that okay? Everybody say latter days, which is like last days. Okay, latter day. So we are not latter day saints. Okay. We're current saints. 
in that day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Uh, just for those who missed it, the Mormons call themselves the Latter-day Saints. Okay. So the latter days, he says, the Spirit says that there will be doctrines of demons seducing spirits. So, you know me, I don't like to be like all bad news and all negative. I don't like to glorify these things. But Paul says it's there. He says in the latter days. Now, why would it be in those latter days? Question. Class, why would it be in those latter days that he said some would fall away from the faith and some would give way and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. It was because it was a significant period. It was because it was the ending of the old, literally, and the beginning of the new, literally. It was the setting up of the kingdom of God, literally. Is it okay? And so we don't glorify the devil, and he's an idiot, and he's got severe brain damage, but there's another sense in which he's not stupid. Because... Before God does and institutes his kingdom, he would come out with doctrines and seducing spirits to pervert and to prevent people entering into the kingdom. So that's you know, enough mention of the devil and, and giving him glory. You know, I might have to refer to it again. But we need to be careful that in these days, because of what God wants to do, that we don't depart from pure doctrine. So listen to me, church. Listen to me. That we don't give way to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons because there is enough of it and they get a platform on Facebook, on social media, and there's all kinds of things being said. And it's a fact that people don't want to put up with good, sound doctrine. They want to be titivated with the latest revelation and spectacular stuff and all that kind of thing. And they're getting caught up and they're getting swayed Paul says it like this in Ephesians 4, by winds of doctrine. I want everybody to listen to me. In everyone in ASF, I want you to hear me. Is that okay? And I want you to give careful attention. And there's an antidote to this that Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he says it over and over and over again. Paul's advice to Timothy and Titus. And then there's other of the New Testament writers keep talking about it. And uh, Paul says in, in Colossians that people get up, they get their idle minds puffed up or their minds puffed up with idle notions, the NIV says, in the false humility and false worship of angels. And that's why there's something inside of me that's driving hard to preach correct doctrine. Is it okay? Not boringly, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's like everybody out there is be, trying to be the one that brings the latest revelation. And they're moving off into error. How about just the simplicity of the word still? You know, let's explore the word, the correct doctrine of the word. Because there's a lot of preachers preaching and they're changing the text of the word. They're changing the context of good doctrine. We need to preach right doctrine. Is that okay? And so there are seducing spirits and there are doctrines of demons. I'll say it straight out. Rapture, doctrine of demons. There's a lot of doctrines of demons. And there's more. There's more. You can see it. I get dismayed when I see people post things. And, and, I, and I go like, but that's not even biblical. It's not even true. Yeah. Amen? So I don't want you caught up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's look and see what Paul says to Timothy. He says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their consciences seared as with a hot iron. In other words, clearly going against what the scripture says without any twinge of conscience. Yeah. I mean, we know what 
Jesus said to John, and John wrote in the book of Revelations, don't take away from the word, don't add to the word. There's loss, there's curse for that. Is that okay? Now, do I have anything in particular in mind? No, I don't. All I'm saying is that we need to be grounded in the Word. We need to be established in the Word. And there's a way for us to do this. Is that okay? We don't want to give in to, um, you know, those hypocritical liars and seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And so Paul gives us an example in his days, then, or the time that they were referring to. He says, forbidding to marry. Forbidding people to marry. Absolutely forbidding it, as if there was some kind of um, greater holiness in celibacy. And that's not the Bible. Whole denominations were built on that. And every one of their priests and ministers were not allowed to get married. That's why today we're hearing of the abuse of children and little boys that happened in those denominations. Because it was imposed on them. It was never God's intention for men or women to be single unless they get the gift of celibacy. But listen, listen, everybody, I want to just, the long and short of it, what Paul is trying to say is that people come up with false doctrines, with laws and things that are not biblical. You know, for you to be holy, you must be celibate. No, God's plan is marriage, man, woman, a man, a woman. That's God's plan. Is that right? And he's saying, don't forbid them from being married. We have an example in Jesus who never married, an example in Paul, but it's because Jesus came with a different mission. Paul as well, you know, he had the gift of celibacy, possibly. Is that all right, everybody? And so rules are made up. If you go through church history, we don't have to go far back. You see these movements that come, and they bring out these strict laws, you know, um, strict rules that are not biblical, and it becomes a cult. And then... He says, abstaining from meats. That's not just meat, but that's foods. In other words, changing your diet as if there's some kind of righteousness and holiness in it. Now, you know, Paul is not advocating wrong eating, but he's advocating, you know, only fish on these days and don't eat meat those days and and this. I'll tell you, let me tell you one Pentecostal sort of um, fairy tale. When I started in the ministry, I don't know how it started, but I just started with a lot of deliverance. I cleaned up Benera Park. All the demons are out and gone, you know? Majority anyway. Unless some's crept in, I don't know. But, you know, you'll deal with them. But news got out, and people were coming from all over the country saying, that guy's got this incredible deliverance ministry and all of this kind of thing. And I remember I was trying to learn about deliverance. You know, we were having demons coming out and foam balls and spitting up this and, you know, all those kinds of manifestations. And I remember one guy coming, and he's going to come and teach me on spiritual warfare. He says, listen, if you're going to go into spiritual warfare praying, you need to eat lots of meat because you need protein for strength because it just drains your energy. I'm going, really? Wow. Bev, cook me more big steaks. I mean, it's funny, hey? <laughs> the kind of stuff that happens in the church, and it robs people. And Paul says, you know, God created this food to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. In other words, because everything is sanctified by word and by the prayer. In other words, that which the word allows us to eat, it's already sanctified and you add your prayer to it and you can receive it with thanksgiving. Is that okay? Paul was not legitimizing the things that were forbidden in Leviticus. He wasn't. He wasn't saying, okay, now you can eat prawn and pork and all of those kinds of things, you know? pig is still a pig. 
Prawn is still a prawn. Okay. Ostrich is still an ostrich. A mouse is still a mouse. Don't, the Bible says don't eat them because of the toxins and things in there. So he's not saying, you know, he's not saying now well, you can eat anything. So he was talking about that which the Bible legitimately allows. You can receive as already sanctified by God because it's in God's frame of reference. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Now, it's the same thing. It's the same thing when he says forbidding people to be married. God says be married. Is that okay? Paul's got whole chapters on advice for marriage. In fact, the whole, of the New, in fact, the whole Bible is about marriage. Is that okay? Now, why would you forbid marriage? And so it's some kind of, you know, secret knowledge and secret this and secret that. Let me just tell you that there's a danger. There is a danger even in the revelation of grace. Because then the, those who get the revelation of grace look down on those that are still in the law as if we've got some secret handle or secret access to God. No, we haven't. We're uncovering the word. There's no arrogance in it. Amen. And so we need to be careful. Sanctified by word and the prayer. So I don't want to go into a lot of those kinds of things, but let's press on. He says, verse 5, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Verse 6, and now he's talking to Timothy. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So how many of you know I want to be a good minister Amen. of Jesus Christ? Is it okay? So now I want to talk about what are we supposed to do? What is the antidote that Paul gives us? Not to get caught up in doctrines of demons and seducing yeah. spirits. Now, I don't want you to get all scared and, and every time you hear something, oh, is this a doctrine of devils? I'm, I'm, you know, it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. You know, John says it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, test every spirit to see if they are from God. It's not a spooky spiritual thing. Basically, what he's saying is listen to their doctrine. If they deny that Christ has come in the flesh, doctrine of demons. It's a wrong spirit. Is that Okay. So anybody that tampers with the person of Jesus that is fully human and fully divine, it's a doctrine of demons. It's a seducing spirit. Is that okay? And so we avoid it, you know. So we need to stick with sound doctrine. We need to stick with good doctrine. So what is the, the solution? So we're going to just read a little bit, then I'm going to jump back up to that. So he says, if you make the brethren... Aware of these things, you'll be a good minister, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine when unto thou hast attained. Refuse, I'm going to come back to this profane and old wives' fables. And listen to this. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Listen, listen church, listen everybody. Godliness has got promise for now, as well as for the life to come. Godliness has promise for now. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, Godliness has promise for now, for today. Godliness has got promise for you. So in other words, Paul talks about the fact of that we need godliness, okay? And this godliness, he says, we need to be exercised in it more than what we exercise our bodies. More than we are careful about our diets so that we look good because you are what you eat. Amen? I look so good because I eat so good. Paul is saying, and he's taking this food thing, and he's saying, listen, you need to be nourished in and exercised in godliness. Yeah. 
it's got more value. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we mustn't exercise. Our bodies are machines, and they've got to be fed, exercised, and rested and taken care of. It's the only body you're going to have. Is that right? You don't have another body. So you can't wreck this body and then get another body. We need to look after this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everybody following me, church? So we must look after this body. Is that okay? So he says, so you need to be godly, be exercised in godliness. So number one, Paul says, he says, you need to nourish yourself on the words of God. Nourish. Everybody say it with me. Say nourish. Listen, there's nourishment in the word. There's nourishment for your spirit. I forget where the psalm is, but it says, you know, talking about God's word, he said, and God himself, but God's word in the spirit is. It's oil to make the face shine. Yeah. Woo-woo. Now, everybody wants to come to church and get zapped in the Holy Ghost, get anointed, we fall on the floor, we stand up, and the oil is making our face shine, you know. We have a powerful meeting, and it's wine to gladden heart. Woo, we get out excited. But what about bread to sustain the spirit of the man? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. Come on, we can't be taking care of this physical body, shoveling food in and nourishing this physical being and totally neglecting the spirit inside of us. Paul said to Timothy, nourish yourself in the word. Come on, church. What's your Bible reading plan look like? How much do you read the Word? How much do you do other things with it? But how much are you consuming the Word? It's not enough to come and get a message on Sunday, long as it is. In depth as it is. It's not enough. You need something on Monday. Listen, if you only ate on Sunday physical food, and then the next Sunday, you would look a whole lot different to what you're looking right now. But by the same token, we need to be doing something with the Word of God Otherwise, you are a candidate, Paul says, for the doctrine of demons and seducing spirits. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for just anything. Come on, church. I want this church strong. I need this base to be strong. I need you to be strong in the Lord, strong in His Word. I need you to be qualified in the Word of God. I need you to be saturated in the Word. So I've said to the children's church teachers, please get the children to memorize verses of the Bible. Please get them to memorize. Help them to memorize. Listen, memorize scripture yourself. Nourish yourself with the word. Memorize a verse a day. Do something so that when we get together, we can at least talk the word instead of talking rubbish. Instead of whinging and whining and moaning about the country. Let's spout the word. You know, what are you, a Bible puncher? Yes, yes, I am. I am. Yeah, I speak the word of God. So we need to be word people. Amen. When you open your mouth, a verse should pop out. And so Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste him? You eat his word. 
Isaiah 55, those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, come by and eat, come drink without cost. You know, my word is like this. It's like my thoughts, which is higher than yours, and it's my ways in it, which is higher than yours. It's like the rain and snow coming down and watering the earth, and it doesn't go back without producing a result. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. Is that okay? Scripture after scripture after scripture. How nourished are you or how malnourished are you in the Word? The Word of God. The Word of God. Paul is saying in these latter days, listen church, we're at a time and it's time sensitive in the world as far as God's Word is and the fulfillment of God's Word. We're getting closer and closer to the appearance of Christ. The Bible says we can hasten His coming. In other words, it means we can delay His coming. We need to be hastening His visitations and His coming. But how nourished are we? You get Christians that are more expert on wines than they are on the Word. There's a Sauvignon Blanc, and fruity, and and a hint of berry, and you can taste the oak in it. Do you know a verse in the Bible? I'm not talking about ACF members, you know. I mean, they'll talk about this restaurant has got the best food. You should go there. You'll never hear them say, yes, our pastor preaches the best message. You should come. No. But he does. But he does. <laughs> Is everybody following me? So I'm trying to exhort you. You know, we need to be nourished in the Word. And so Paul says, you know, Wherever that, where the verse is, now let me go back to it. I'm preaching just a lot out of my mind. I prepared this yesterday. But where he says, verse 6, Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So we need to be nourished up in the words of faith of the Bible. How many of you know that the Bible is full of words of faith? Consequently, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So we need to be reading the Word, reading the Word. As we're reading the Word, it's faith words, faith words, and your faith is growing. Then you don't have to pick up the phone. And I'm not saying don't phone, but you don't have to pick up the phone and go, Help! I'm in trouble! You know? You know, you'll go to the throne before you go to the phone. You will start to confess the word before you confess the problem. You will start to say, this is a problem. I have a word for it. You won't run towards your giant with your mouth closed. You'll be running towards your giant with your mouth open, speaking the words of God. Amen. You'll go around your Jericho quietly at first until you've sussed out the spirit behind it. And then you will start to shout and bring the walls down. But you'll be shouting the word of God. Come on, church. There's an answer. You know, when the devil accuses you, are you quiet and you just swallow his accusation? Or do you speak back the word to him like Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4? It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Come on, when you feel an ache or a tweak in your body, do you, oh, good Lord, I better go and take a discipline? Or do you start speaking to the pain? I was sharing with Auntie Maureen this morning, and she was saying, I take, she said, this is what God led me to do. I have communion every morning and every evening, and I am well because I take it in faith. What is God saying to you? There's a solution in the Word. So we need to be nourished in words of faith. But listen, church, don't go around saying to people, I just read the Bible, I don't get into doctrine. As soon as you try and understand the Bible, you're into this. Doctrine is important. What do you believe? 
And so we need to be believing the right things. Is that okay? We need some kind of a systematic theology where we understand, this is what I believe about Jesus. This is what I believe about prayer. This is what I believe about healing. Where are you going to get it? Partly from teaching and instruction over here, but you need to be nourished up in words of faith and of doctrine. And so we need to be nourished. So Paul says to Timothy, be nourished in words of faith. Then he goes on to say, refuse profane, and he calls it a profanity. Old wives' fables. It's not only just about wives. It's actually old women's. The wife is from the word which means old woman. Now, it doesn't say anything about old men's. Yeah, those are the fishing stories. <laughs> it doesn't mean to say men don't get into. It's just a statement, old wives' tales. You get a lot of men that get into. I never exaggerate about the big fish I caught. No. But it's actually that big. But I caught two of them. Yeah. Come on, church. Yeah. There's old wives' tales going around. There's a lot of stuff that people accept as biblical but it's a fable. It's an old wife's tale. I remember, you know, uh, us as kids, you know, we, we used to fight, you know. There were seven of us. So it's nice you could have a different sparring partner every day of the week. <laughs> so we used to fight, and then we'd pull faces at each other. And Omar used to say, if you pull your face skew like that and pull an ugly face, if the clock strikes 12, it's going to stay like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, you know what power that little old wives' tale had on us? We would pull faces, but then we'd be looking at the clock to make sure. <laughs> Just in case, for the rest of your life, you know? But I remember we used to test it out, one minute to 12. I remember my sister Helen and myself doing it, mm, watching the clock, mm, and then just before it gets 12 o'clock, we stop. Just in case, just in case Omar's right. Then after 12, you can pull your face again. But listen, it's funny and it's childish, but there's that kind of thing that invades the church of Jesus Christ. Old wives' tales, fables. Lots of them. There's lots of them. Too many to mention. Paul says it's profanity because it's not the word. And it has a power. And, and so many Christians believe that more than they believe the Bible. I mean, you heard the story. It's repeated by tradition, and then people just preach it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so many of these. There's a lot of profanity and old wives' tales about angels. Yeah. Yeah. And they get that from the apocryphal books, a lot of them, and a lot of them from people that have come out of spiritualism and all those kinds of things. And they haven't got good doctrine, and they import theology from the dark side and bring it into Christianity, and we believe it. Angels are real. Demons are real. But a lot of the stuff they say is fictitious. I mean, I remember when I started the deliverance ministry. And we started and demons were coming out. I remember when they came, these specialists came to train me. You know, um, don't touch a person with a demon in them because the demon then can jump out and jump into you. And then they would tell you all these horror stories. I was casting this demon out. And when I made eye contact with the person, this demon came in. So you're kind of like, come out in Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. You know, and all these kind of fairy tales fairy tales then that fairy tale yeah praying with your hands like this now is the latest thing going on because that's hinduism and buddhism and and it'll bring you into poverty and that's the making the circuit now 
You know, these are people who are bored, got nothing else to do, and they invent doctrines. The sad thing is, it goes around. I walked into drivers, and a lady calls me, oh, yes, Pastor John, and speaks to a man. He's a pastor himself, and they're saying, this video clip, is that true about, if you, I said, said, okay, here goes. Lord Jesus, no demons, no poverty. It's a waste of time. It's trash. It's profanities. Profane old wives' tales. There's no magic formula on where your hands must be. Because now they're saying, hands must be turned upwards. Now it becomes really difficult to pray. Because is it in the name of the Father or in the name of Jesus? Is it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it in the name of Yeshua Mashiach? Is it in the name of, oh, and I've got to remember to have my hands the right way. Oh, Jesus. Now praying becomes hard work. Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now, did I get that formula right? No wonder God doesn't hear my prayers. Now, isn't it about your heart and faith? You know, can I not just say, Lord, just help me? Do I have to worry now about which way my hands are? Oh, sorry, just in a reflex action, I went like this. Now I'm poor for the rest of my life. Come on, church. There's a lot of garbage and silliness going on under the name of Christianity. And people who are not grounded in sound doctrine are just buying it up and put in bondage. It's all designed to put you in bondage. Old wives' tales. There's a lot about, and listen, I've got no problem with Israel. No problem with the Jews. They delivered the seed, Jesus Christ. They need to get saved, same as us. Has God got a plan for them? Yes, to be saved. But we don't have to go back and be Jewish. We don't have to get Yeshua Messiah. There's a big, it's, it's such an unhealthy infatuation with all things Jewish. Now you've got to find your Jewish name and you've got to find this trash. You don't have to find nothing. The gospel is for all the nations of the earth. God created your culture, and he wants you to celebrate your culture and your language. Yeah. Amen. Amen? It's not all things Jewish. And when you say things like this, they say, Ah, oh, you're anti-Semitic. You're against the Jews. No, I'm not. I'm against you. you. <laughs> it's all designed to put us in bondage. I mean, when you can't enjoy it, Paul says it's sanctified by the word. Check out the word. Then receive it with thanksgiving. If you're Zulu, be a good Zulu. Amen. In the belly, be good in the belly. If you're in all sorts, be a good all sorts. Amen. If you're Afrikaans, be Afrikaans. Celebrate your Afrikaans. You understand what I'm saying? God is into cultures because he's displaying his variety. There's something in every culture that we need to learn from each other. It's to be celebrated. Come on, church. Everybody following me? Good. Refuse profane old wives' tales. And exercise thyself unto godliness. So how do you exercise yourself unto godliness? Number one, nourish yourself in words of faith and doctrine. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, verse 10, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Now this is the Bible talking to me. 
Let no man despise thy youth. Thank you, Jesus. But be thou an example of the believers. Listen to this. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. How do you exercise yourself in godliness? Number one, you nourish yourself in words of faith and doctrine. Secondly, you develop all of these things. So I'm going to just um, go through them very quickly. He says, in word, in word. Listen, church. Sometimes you hear people talk and you'll never believe they're Christians. Our speech must be different. Our speech, listen, listen, church. Our speech must be different. When they hear us talk, they must know there's something different about us. Our speech. Paul says it over and over again in his letters, in Ephesians, in Colossians. He says it everywhere. Let no foolish talk come out of your mouths. No coarse joking. No bad below-the-line jokes. Come on, church. Be an example in word. Exercise yourself in your words. Put a restraint on your speech. And this is so broad, we can do three or four weeks just on our speaking. But what is our speaking like? Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, let only wholesome words, wholesome, wholesome words come out of your mouth that it may benefit those who listen and build them up. Come on, church. How edified are people when they listen to us speak? When they walk away, they must know they met with a man or a woman of God. We don't speak death. We don't speak confusion. We don't speak rubbish. We speak the truth to them in love. Is that okay? Everybody, this is how we, this is how we do it. Is this a good, hard, you know, bashing message? Yeah, it's good, eh? Yeah, when we finish, after just go like, yeah, that was a good word. Pastor John really gave us a good hiding. No, I'm not, I'm not giving anybody a hiding. I don't know what your conversations are like. But one thing I do know, uh, that when I've been with people and we speak the word, I feel different inside. Is that okay? Mark of a man or woman of God is when you walk away from them that you feel edified, built up, encouraged. Is that okay? You don't walk away with a sick feeling thinking, no, right, we were gossiping together now. I wonder what they're going to say about me when I walk out the door. Because the gossip goes on. And when you're not there, then you become the subject. Come on, in word. And then he says, in conversation. That word conversation is a word from those days of the King James, which means your lifestyle, your walk. You know, let your conversation be as in heaven. In other words, walk as a heavenly being. So he says in speech, in conversation, in your conduct. Come on, we live in a country that's absolutely wicked to the core. Our leaders are not a good example. Every single day you're hearing of the most rampant theft and corruption. Our leaders have raped this nation. Have plundered it and pillaged it and there's no consequence. That is the spirit that we live in. But that spirit should not be in the church amongst Christians. Is everybody following me? And so in conversation, he says, the way that you live, this is exercising yourself in godliness, in charity. 
That's the King James word for love. We need to be exercising ourselves in love. Now, how many of you know it, it takes a little bit of exercise to walk in love? You know, you've got to... I've had plenty of opportunity this week. You know, Shereen knows and JD knows. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. Now, this week I had to exercise myself in love in order to be godly. Because believe it or not, I am flesh and blood like you. And sometimes when attacked, there's something in me that wants to rise up and, and give somebody a piece of my mind. The unrenewed part. The part that's not yet sanctified. But then I've got to watch my conversation and my speech. Exercise. It's really interesting that the next word he says is in spirit. What does he mean? It's little s. You need to exercise yourself in your spirit. In other words, you need to control your spirit. We have a spirit of self-control. It says, exercise your spirit to walk with the fruit of the spirit to act like Christ. Yeah. Exercise your spirit. Take charge of your spirit. You're not a reactionary. You're a responder. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Is that okay, church? So these are all ways that we exercise ourselves in godliness. The first thing that happens is we need to be nourishing ourselves in words of faith and in the doctrine. And so he says, in faith and in purity. In faith. In faith is not just you know, believing God in situations. It's in our whole, Christian, our whole Christian walk. We need to exercise in ourselves. Right. Amen? When people are going through a hard time, you need to have a word for them. You need to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. You need to have a word of encouragement for them. Come on, we have the very oracles of God. We're walking around with wisdom from heaven. If we're nourishing ourselves in the words of faith and doctrine, we have the very wisdom of heaven to give to people. Is that okay? You have got answers for somebody's situation. You are the answer for somebody's situation in life. And this, is, this comes about as we exercise ourselves in godliness. Yeah. Am I saying the right thing? Is it, oh, am I? Okay. Because this church, this church has got to become stronger. No doctrines of demons here. No old wives' tales and fables here. Nothing. Okay. And, and we're going to get it by good teaching on Sundays and in the week. But you're also going to get it by nourishing yourself in words of faith. And in doctrine, in the Bible, and in purity, in purity. Yes. You know, purity is out the window. You can do whatever you want these days, and it's cool. There is no morality anymore. There's no moral values. There's no mor we live in a world where there's no morality. I pray. I pray for those with little children, and I pray for their children. I really do. I pray. I know God is going to send revival. But listen, the only hope for those generations are these young people. And we need to be an example to them, and we need to be teaching them and training them up to walk with God, to be exemplary. And on this whole gender thing, our women in church should be the most whole, um, the most feminine, and the most godly woman. For people to look at and say, 
that gender, that's a woman. The men need to be men. Come on. You know, we need to be able to make decisions and lead and be decisive and be strong men. Is that okay? We need to, people that when they look and they don't know what their identity is, they go like, like I want to be like that man. He's a man. Is that okay? It's a blurring of the lines between in the genders because of the program of the LGBTQ community. There's a plan. They're working with a plan. Purity is going out the window. It's amazing. It's a world is, it's just anything goes. You can do anything. You can do anything. If you're a man, you can sleep with a man. You can sleep with a woman. Any woman. As many as you want women. You can sleep with animals. Serious. It, it, this is the stuff that happens. Come on, church. Where's the purity? Where's the wholeness? We've got to have that back you know, in the church. That's how we exercise ourselves in godliness. All the other stuff is doctrines of demons, seducing spirits, you know, old women's tales, fairy tales and fables and things like this. Purity. Got to get back to being a pure church. Is this good? He says, till I come. So we exercise ourselves in all of those qualities. Is that okay? And then Paul says, till I come. He says, this is what you need to do. He says, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and once again, to doctrine. This reading is reading to study the Bible. It's reading it out loud. It's exhorting yourself in that word and others. And making sure that your doctrine... Isn't it incredible how many times he brings out this word doctrine? He's talking about there's a doctrine of demons. And he says, you know, you need to nourish yourself in words of doctrine. Now he tells us, give yourself to reading, to exhortation, and to... Come on, church. Are you all with me? It's important that we understand, know what the Word says. And then the next thing he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying out of hands in the presbytery. Number four, neglect not the gift. Okay? It's important for you to function where God's called you to function in the body of Christ. Because this body becomes richer if you're operating in the gifting that God's called you. Because then the body works together and nourishes itself up in love as we all come to maturity in Christ. In other words, you need to be involved in church. You need to be doing something in church. You need to be exercising yourself, not just warming the seats. And Paul says, you can't neglect that gift that is in you. you got to, this is all part of exercising yourself to be godly. And then I think last of all, he says, meditate upon these things. Are you all watching this? Give thyself partially to them at some times. Give thyself wholly to them. And then what will happen? So you've got to meditate, okay? You've got to give yourself to it. This is moving us away from casual inquiry, just at dabbling a little bit in it. It's moving us away from it to something that we are actively Pursuing and persistently doing. Come on, church. This world needs strong, grounded, rooted believers. This country, if anything's going to happen in this country, it's going to be through believers. And it's going to be through believers who know God and know the Word of God. 
It's going to be believers who know the Spirit of God and pray and are able to stand up and to speak the truth as statesmen. People who can turn a nation, turn a president, turn a member of parliament, turn a teacher. People who can speak a word. Come on, church. Come on, church. I know it sounds like a brag, but I don't know your examples, but I can share my examples. If anybody asked me, and somebody did, what was the greatest achievement in ministry ever? And they were shocked when I said it. I said it was when the headmistress of the Benera Park Primary School phoned and said, Pastor John, there's a request that you come and open assembly in prayer. And I said, this is really awesome. And then when I got there, I opened in prayer, and then the head of one department and also the standard four-class school teachers, standards in those days, said, Pastor John, we got you here under false pretenses. And she said, I want all the standard four boys to come up and line up on the stage. And they lined up on that stage from one side to the other, filled the whole stage. And then they asked me to come up and stand up at the top. So I stood here, and then all the boys of standard four class came and stood there. And she said, Pastor John, we just want you to know, we asked the standard four boys to write an essay on their hero, who their hero is, and they could choose anyone. Every single standard four boy said, our hero is Pastor John, we want to be like him. Whose hero are you? Come on, you need to be someone's hero, someone's model of godliness and truth. Someone who you've impacted their lives and it's changed their life. My whole life changed the day I met that believer from ACF. Paul says to Timothy, meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. He says that everyone, your profiting, another translation, your progress might be apparent to everyone. Come on, church. We need to be not the laughing stock of the country anymore. The early church, they feared the church, yet, despite the fear, the reverential awe of the church, every day people were joining the church saying, We want to be part of them. We disdained, we mocked, and a lot of it is because of the stupidity that we come up with, the rubbish that is being preached in churches. Even the world knows, even the world knows truth and non-truth. They go like, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, I'm going to fly away. You know, they mock us. The devil made me do it. No, you did it. Devil can't make you do anything. And they mock the church because it's powerless, because it's just got no relevance. Come on, church. We need to have an impact on the world. And it's going to come if we exercise ourselves in godliness. Imagine if you gave as much attention to your spiritual life as you do to your thinking and your preparation of your natural food. Imagine how your life would look different if you said, you know, okay, if if I'm going to be at the gym an hour a day, you know, or I'm going to walk at least 35 minutes a day. Well, how about reading your Bible for 35 minutes a day? You know? On the outside, you like this. On the inside, you're like, when you need it, it's your spinach. Pop behind the side. <laughs> Come on, we need to be strong in the spirit. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go back because prophetically, I'm speaking for our, where we are in our country and where we are in history. 
God needs us to be like this. We are in days where doctrine of demons, seducing spirits, old wives' tales, fables are taking precedence over the pure word of God. I don't know how strongly to say it. I don't know how, how other to say it. And in the process, I'm appealing to you as believers. I'm appealing. I can only do so much. The rest of it's up to you. If I read the Bible, I'm not responsible for your spiritual life. If I read the word correctly, you are for your own life. I can only do what I can. I can only serve you to a certain degree. But if you're not a spiritual person, that's you. It's your decision. It's, your, it's the fruit of your input and your labor. Come on, church. I want Holy Ghost people. Amen. I don't want to have to try and wind you up on a Sunday. I don't have to say, come on, let's pray. And if I stop praying, I hear nothing. I don't want to say, come on, let's praise the Lord. You know, I, I think, am I not teaching these people? There's nothing. You've got nothing to say. Can I tell you why? Not only shyness, but it's because you have no word vocabulary. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Okay, what do I say? The Psalms are full of it. Now unto him who is able. For from him and through him and to him. These Mary's Magnificat. These all those verses in the Psalms, you know. And where we can just extol him and exalt him and extol your love better than wine. Fairer are you than the, the morning star and, you know, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. And, oh, God, you're so awesome. You're so amazing. What an amazing God. How malnourished are we? Come on, let's pray. Silence. Now, come on, let's pray in the Spirit. Do we, do we know how to pray? Can we pray? Come on, church. The way we are, we're not going to take South Africa. You're not even going to change your family. You're certainly not going to change your workplace. If we like this. I'm exhorting you as, as hard as I can. Is that okay? I'm saying you have to invest in yourself Monday to Saturday so that when you walk in here, you're up there like this. And I'm going, okay, just let's just bring you down. <laughs> just, just be part of the service. How different will our services be if you've been praying all week and reading the Word all week? How different will I, you know, be like a Holy Ghost? Wow. Okay, have I exhorted you enough? Have I said enough? Listen, nobody will ever be able to trip you up if you do these things. Your profiting will be evident. Your progress will be evident to everybody. Come on, when was the last time you came into the lounge or you wherever and you came out of your quiet time and your family looked at your face and said, your face is shining. We can tell where you've been. Is your face shining? It does. It does. You go and spend time in prayer, your face starts to shine. And it's not coconut oil. There's something Something of the glory shines through. You can tell when somebody spent time with God. You can see the shine in their faces. Amen. Right, I've given you enough, have I? Say, everybody say, Father, forgive Pastor John. 
for beating us up this morning. And I, I really, I'm not beating up. I had such an urgency in my heart this week, really. It just struck me what we were dealing with. And I tell you, more than ever, we need to be strong, grounded, rooted men, women of God. You can't use the excuse, I'm not a theologian, I'm not into Bible doctrine. Paul says it over and over and over again. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely, over and over again. Other verses, he said, we're in days where people will not put up with sound doctrine. Do a little bit of a search in your Bible on and see how important doctrine is and make sure your doctrine is right. Is that okay? We need to. You need to have an understanding of the Word, an understanding of truth and what it's all about. We need to be able to take answers to people, speak you know, oracles of God to people, speak the truth to them, minister to them. Amen? It mustn't be said of us that if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No, the entrance of your word giveth light. In your light there is more light. Is everybody following me? We need to get back to the word, even if it sounds like, oh, you old-fashioned Bible puncher. What are you, a holy Joe? Yes, I'm all of those. I mean, I was accused of it all my life when I was in the army. Oh, you're a sky pilot, a devil dodger. And I'd say, yeah, amen, I got my wings. Yeah, I would say, but, uh, but just to correct you, I don't dodge the devil, he dodges me. My whole life, from little, that's how I was spoken about at school, in the army, my whole life growing up. And I revel in it. Because you know what, secretly they look at me and they want to be like. They would ridicule me in the military, in the army. But if we were to go out live and to go into action, they would all be at my tent. Why? Because they, they would covet what I had. And I would be sitting there on my bed in my room and praying for them. The same Bible that they were tearing pages out and rolling up their zol, their dacha to smoke, that now they sit, it's in their pockets and they're reading it. But who would they come to? They would come to a man of God. Come on, the people around you in crisis need to know, I can come to you and I can come to you and I can come to you. And I'm going to get a word from God. I'm going to get something. Come on, we, we touch somebody, they should know that have just encountered something. Something has happened inside of them. Have I exhorted you enough? Come on, let's just raise our hands to the Lord. Come on. So, Father, here we are. We will exercise ourselves to be godly. Lord, we will nourish ourselves in, in words of faith and in doctrine, Lord. We'll exercise ourselves in all those things. We'll read and exhort and not neglect the gift and we'll meditate. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to just lift your hand. I want you to respond and just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. I'm going I'm to action this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be counted. God, I want to be one of those that impact a nation. I want to be one of those that impacts my world and those in my world and those around me. Lord, I want to be an oracle of God. I want to carry his oracles. God, I want to be a problem solver. I want to be one that is sought out because of the depth of your word and, and the treasure, the riches of your spirit in my life. God, I want to be one of those that when I touch somebody, something happens to them. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Today is a day we decide, we make a decision afresh. And we're going to give ourselves to words of faith, good doctrine.
in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm asking that you seal this word to every one of us, that Lord, by your spirit, Lord, you uh, remind and reteach and encourage us by your spirit, oh God. Lord, I want to thank you. In three to four weeks, things are going to be so different with us in Jesus' name. We all agreed and said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you just give God a hand? That wasn't a bashing, that was encouragement. That was encouragement.